Moncrief on News Talk. Time for Tell Me Why with Graham Finley. If you have a question for Graham, you can send it to afternoon at newstalk.com. Today's question is this When people say they f- smell fresh air, what exactly is it? Is air ever fresh? Graham joins us now in News Talk. Afternoon, Graham. Afternoon. Uh, let's do the second question first. Is air ever fresh? Yes, it is. I mean, what I mean depends on how you you define fresh air. I mean, fresh air has um, a particular smell for people, but largely that's a chain of associations and um, you know sort of scents which we associate with fresh air. Truly fresh, super pure air doesn't smell of anything, right? Um, but um, except so, but if you're looking for the place, which, but it tends to smell badly if it's been affected by things which have been emitted by human activity. And so if you want to look for the freshest air in the sense that it's not being affected by human activity, you've got to go to the South Sea um, off Antarctica, the Southern Sea, sorry, the Southern Ocean, in fact, um, uh, off Antarctica, where scientists have determined has the lowest, almost zero um, influence from, from human activity. And that's because it's sort of downwind from Antarctica, which also doesn't have a lot of human activity, whereas all the other places people went to look for the cleanest air on Earth and the, the least touched by human beings, they're, they're downwind from very large continents where the, the human activity blows into the, the Arctic, for example, right, or, or the, the South Pacific and things like that. Right. So there's very little fresh air on our planet, essentially. Yeah, I mean, again, if you're, you're talking about a pure um, chemical, like pure oxygen, nitrogen, and, and so forth, right, you know, then, then you know, you probably should go to a lab for that. <laughs> but, um, but, but, I mean, again, this Antarctic air is really something in many ways. It has, I mean, what they did was they, they had all these filters out in, in, their, in their ice-breaking boats, um, and they, they took samples from all over the place, including the, the boundary layer, which is from the ground up a couple kilometers into the, into the, into the sky, and and they found and there's bacteria there because there's bacteria everywhere, but they found no traces basically of of human activity, which is kind of incredible given you think that you know air and winds and currents are sloshing, and the atmosphere is such a complex you know machine you know is sloshing air all over the globe, and as we know global effects happen in Antarctica as well with climate change, so it's um, you know it's pretty dramatic result. Right. So you know when people hang out their washing. Uh, and they say, oh, I love when I hang out my washing and it's a breezy day and it smells of fresh air. Uh, and this, you know, this isn't happening in Antarctica. This is, say, happening in Ireland. What, what's it actually smelling of then? Well, that's the thing. Now, people really love the smell of fresh air. Um, when people, we recently tried to describe Dublin as a breath of fresh air. It didn't really catch on, maybe because people in Dublin kept undermining it by saying, ah, and me hope, right? You know, but yeah. um, in any case, um, you know, people really love the smell of fresh air. And there's a sort of huge, there's a lot of scientific factors. There's also a massive corporate contest uh, around who provides you with fresh air. And so when I was researching this, I had to actually go to the house scientists of, of a bunch of competing companies. Some were competing to sell you um, air filters, and those companies were really against the people who were competing to sell you fresh scents, fresh air scents. And so, so if you smell your laundry, so you, you know, there's a lot going on. If you, if you feel like your laundry smells better if you've got it hanging outside rather than if you're hanging it inside. Um, first of all, there's... Um, the relative difference between the smells inside your house and outside your house. There's the expectations you have for fresh air outside your house. There's the fact that the air outside your house is going to probably be cooler under a lot of circumstances than 
then inside your house, and so on and so forth. And then someone may well have um, put in, you probably use detergent, right, unless you're, you're washing your laundry with just plain water, right? Um, you know, you've got a detergent where they probably put in scents which try to remind you of fresh air. Mm. So there's a lot going on, and they've washed out all the things which makes your in-house air smell stale, and that is you smelling up the place. That's your exhalations, which um, include a lot of carbon dioxide, um, it involves um, all of the animals in, in the house, again, including you, who are shedding things and giving off smells, but also the little microbial ones, which are in the cracks in your plaster and in your rug and so forth, which is why even if you don't go into a closet for months at a time, you open it up, the smell inside there can seem really, really stale because the air hasn't been circulating and those mi microbes in there have been crapping out smelly stuff. So for all, and there's cooking smells. I don't actually really mind cooking smells, but you know, cooking, all this stuff builds up inside, whereas outside it can really circulate around and a lot of those smells are, are blown away and usually, depending on where you live, replaced with smells which, which have much more positive associations like pines or whatever. Right. Okay. So in any indoor environment, are you saying anything you inhale has been affected by, by a living thing there, even if it's a living thing we can't see? Absolutely. And um, I mean, again, unless you go into a lab and sterilize the place. Um, yeah, I mean, there's a huge amount of activity going on in any household. And, uh, you know, all of those smells tend to accumulate and they, they you know, they soak into furnishings and they, you know, they, they, they get in everywhere and they can be very hard to get rid of, as people know. And that's why people tend to, instead of actually getting rid of them, they, they cover them up with, with various kinds of scents, including in um, you know, scented detergents and, and, and so forth, personal grooming products, which have, you know, fresh air scents and so forth. Uh, and especially, and this is a huge industry, um, you know, scents which you can, you can sort of broadcast into your, your house um, or you can put on your person. The fresh air trend in perfume has been a huge one over the last few years um, where there are perfumiers, perfumiers, perfumers, uh, anyway, mm. who um, I've, I've been going to sort of exotic locations and trying to capture. Now, they can't really take a jar of air back to, to, to New York or wherever they do these things, but uh, to try and capture those scents and then repli replicate them with with uh, chemicals in a lab. Um, and, and similarly, um, if you own a business, especially, say, in the United States, um, there are people who will sell you various fresh air scents. You can have regular and tropical, where you put into what is called an aroma styler, and it, um, it pushes that fragrance into, the, into your, your building and makes people want to consume. Uh, and and so um, the 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 I, I like the island breeze one myself because apparently it smells like pina coladas. Now I'm not mm. sure I want to live in a pina colada. I may also like getting caught in the rain, but yeah, you know I don't want that to happen <laughs> all the time. And, and and so for you know these are quite weird scents. Um, and then maybe somewhat more problematically, many of these compounds and solvents um, have are they volatile um, or, or organic compa compounds? That's why you can smell them. They're volatile, so they can get into your nose and, and you can smell them. Otherwise, you don't smell them. Uh, and um, they can bind with one of the most popular ingredients of making things smell like fresh air, which is ozone, uh, and cause quite harmful sort of um, 
combination chemicals, uh, chemical reactions, which are, which are really quite bad. And a lot of people, even if we're not talking about carcinogenic or, or quite dangerous for your, for your lungs and your, your breathing generally compounds, we can be talking about um, things which up to 20% of the population might be allergic to. So now this is all coming from, from big air filter I have to say, right, mm-hmm. a lot of this science is coming from the people who say, no, don't do any of this stuff. Use our super powerful air filters instead, um, because they think your air should smell like nothing. Um, so, again, this is a huge and extremely partisan debate. But there is a concern about, about these um, solvents, which um, has been documented by scientists who, as far as I can tell, are not in the pay of big filter. So, so you know, there is, there is a genuine concern to use all these chemicals to make things smell like a particular set of fresh air. And mm. one reason why we like ozone is it, it's the smell we get after a thunderstorm, right? And some people call even their ozone sort of producing machines, which, again, could have quite negative effects as um, you know, a thunderstorm in a box. Uh, and again, thunderstorms, we really like the scent of, of the world after a thunderstorm um, and after rain uh, for all sorts of interesting reasons. And there's even a name for this smell, which is petrichor, uh, which is the smell which you know the world has after a thunderstorm and especially after rain, which it turns out is produced by um, the bacteria in sidewalks and on pavement. It's in the earth, which um, you know they only give up when they've, they've suddenly been moistened with rain. That's so interesting. All this ozone they're putting into these things. Are you, you know, people of a certain age will remember the ozone layer and the hole in the ozone layer. It wouldn't affect any of that, would it? No, no, that's the thing. I mean, the ozone, ozone's great if it's up in the air and it's right. keeping, you know, harmful uh, rays from, from, from frying us. Um, and I once made a terrible mistake, which was to climb Table Mountain in South Africa without any sunscreen. Um, and the ozone layer, the hole in the ozone layer, which people, younger people may not really even know about, um, hanging out over Antarctica really fried me to a crisp. It was much worse than if I'd climbed, you know, a, a mountain in the Northern Hemisphere. Mm. Uh, and, um, you know, happily, that's one of the great news stories of our time, which is that it was being largely produced by the use of chlorofluorocarbons. And uh, the Montreal Protocol uh, put an end. You, know, you might remember that CFCs were sort of banned and controlled and phased yeah. out as a result in, in your, your underarm deodorant or whatever. And um, the, the ozone hair layer hole has, has sealed itself to a remarkable degree and quite soon will be back to the way it was before the 1970s when they noticed that this was happening. Yeah, that's great that they can actually, you know, fix an environmental problem uh, occasionally. Nature is healing. Uh, now, uh, you've, you've told us where to breathe the freshest air in the world. Where is the rottenest air in the world? Well, um, and again, apparently, no, I haven't been there. It's Delhi in India. Um, uh, many people will know this, but especially last year, but generally, Delhi has the worst air in the world. Um, it's quite shocking, really, if you look at the actual... Um, uh, numbers and the actual effects on human beings. And apparently it is also very smelly. Um, so I'm going to mm-hmm. take people's word for it who, who describe it. But, um, you know, there's a wonderful interactive sort of site, which I'll tweet out later, um, uh, where you, you know, the New York Times figures out where you live and tells you what the worst day in your um, your town is and how it relates to Delhi, say, right? Um, and so the worst day in Dublin, right, is just like nothing in Delhi. And speaking of interactivity, people the EPA, in Delhi. In, you know, no, it's really, I mean, I'll get there in a second. The EPA in, in Ireland has a wonderful sort of interactive map, which shows all its little monitoring stations, which, 
you know, and the quality of the air near you largely, right? Um, mm. Um, you know, on a daily basis or on a, as often as they update the, the recordings. One's quite near me, and there are concerning things about Dublin. Um, that's, it's on a pretty busy road. Um, there are quite concerning things recently about the air in Dublin, but compared to Delhi, it is fantastic. Uh, because in Delhi, I mean, they've got a lot of different uh, things going on. They've got sort of natural geography, which tends to center it. They've got huge amounts of vehicular emissions. They've got burning of agricultural material uh, in surrounding states, and it all piles in and makes it made Delhi air extremely hazardous uh, for for days and days at a time. And they have ways of trying to cope with it, but it's basically like smoking something like thirty or forty cigarettes a day just existing in it, right? Uh, wow. And and so you know when you think about these mega cities with just unreal pollution, like like Delhi and, and Beijing, where people do tend to invest in really good filters. Um, you know, it's um, it's a whole nother level, and apparently it is it is quite quite um, something you can smell. I mean, I've spent a certain amount of time in L.A., and sometimes you you can really tell what's going on with the smog situation. You can almost taste it, let alone smell it. Yeah, lovely, Graham. Thanks a million for speaking with us today. Happy New Year to you, uh, Graham Finley. There, uh, folks, you are listening to the Moncrief Show on News Talk. We're going to take a break. After that, can we live forever? Moncrief on News Talk.